All right, we're here with another episode of In the Clinch. Uh, day late for you guys, sorry. Me and Theo both got kind of tied up with some work stuff yesterday, but we're here, we're queer, we're in gear. Um, John Cox, as always, is my co-host, the International Man of Mystery. Theo, um, how was your weekend? My weekend was great once I figured out that I was COVID negative. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, I don't even think I told you about this. The no. reason that I, I got so back up with work the reason I got back up with work and I couldn't do the show yesterday was because on Thursday last week, my roommate tested positive. It was a big, it was a big mess up. Yeah. No roommate, David, I was calling problems with the show, honestly, but yeah, we had all my roommates had to go get tested. We had to sanitize everything. We all tested negative. He had to go home. We missed class for a few days and in college, that's not a good thing. So I had to do a lot of catch up work this week. So my apologies for yesterday. Hey, that's all right. No problem. No problem. We're here right now. And we can now actually, like you were saying before, we can talk about some more developments with the Robbie Law and Nick Diaz fight coming up this weekend. But first, uh, let's recap the weekend and the massive fight for the light heavyweight division that was Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. And Anthony Smith put on a clinic, a clinic, three and a half, four and a half minute clinic. Um, He looked fantastic. I think he kind of like both went like, Pretty much how we both said it was going to go. He just used his wrestling. He um, closed the distance easy, and he just kind of like had his way with Ryan Spann. Yeah, it's kind of what I uh, referred back to last week when I said that I feel like Anthony Smith is just better than Ryan Spann everywhere, and that's not disrespectful to Ryan Spann. He's just too new in the sport compared to a guy like Anthony Smith who's had had so much experience, so much time in the sport, even with his extensive amateur career before making it to the pros. You know, Anthony Smith's been in the game for a long time. His experience definitely showed against uh, Ryan Spann. He had a beautiful rear naked choke to, to close yeah. out this fight. I yeah, mean, he it, was, it was sunk in perfectly. Um, he was just a level above Spann in about every single aspect of this fight, you know? Um, yep. He even hurt him with a left hand early on yeah, uh, before he, he even him. had to grapple. Yeah. Um, do kind of think that the lights could have been too bright for Ryan Spann. His first main event against a guy like Anthony Smith, who has a name, um, it, it's it's not an easy spot to be put in. John, I was curious what you thought about Ryan Spann's performance. Um, I think there was flashes where he looked. I don't even want to say he looked good, but he he um, like his jab looked great when he did get to stand up with Anthony Smith. Um, I think he, I. I what you just said makes a lot of sense. I think it was just maybe too big of a moment and he kind of seemed overwhelmed. He never really got his footing in there. Um, and like I said, Anthony Smith just did whatever he want, whatever he wanted to. There wasn't even really a pushback. It seemed from Ryan Spann. I think after he dropped him the first time they get back to the feet. Um, I, I will say actually, he did reverse on the ground after the first knockdown. Uh, Anthony Smith ended up getting out of it and they get back to the feet. And then Ryan Spann had a couple good jabs. Uh, the jab, it did look very good, his jab, but then it's just low guard. Uh, didn't see anything coming, none of the punches, and just got rocked and got dropped again and then eventually choked out. Um, overall, I think a pretty underwhelming performance from Ryan Spann and one that he's definitely going to want to go back to the drawing board, maybe watch some film or whatever he has to do. But just from the jump, it didn't really seem like he was ready to go at all. Yeah, you know, in, in my opinion, it seemed like Ryan Spann is a very talented fighter who just doesn't have the fundamentals to fall back on when things get tough. You know, you, you mentioned how he has a really good jab. I thought his right straight was pretty good too. Both yep. the jab and the straight combo form. Uh, that's, um, that's something that works really well for him. However, you mentioned it, his footwork 
was not very well put together, especially right. when things got tough, when he got rocked. He couldn't really uh, gather himself. He couldn't recover well. He had a low guard. He wouldn't get his hands up. That's a, like, day one thing that they tell you about. So, you know, it, it seems like Ryan Spann is the type of guy who's got to have a lot of years left in the sport where he can fix those kind of problems. Um, it just seemed like, you know, it was too much too soon for him in terms of his career. But uh, nevertheless, what a performance by Anthony Smith. Huge damn performance. And he felt disrespected yeah, after this one. I, was I say, loved it. Yeah, he was, I was fired up. It was odd. Something we don't really see a lot from Anthony Smith. He's usually a pretty quiet guy. And uh, he had a lot to say, not just on the mic, but right after, immediately after the fight finished. Right, yeah. They had a, they had a little disagreement afterwards because Anthony felt like he was being disrespected by Ryan Spann in the build-up to this. They quickly got over that. Yeah. But my favorite was the post-fight interview. And if you watched it live, you probably didn't hear any of it because it all got bleeped out. That's but in the, on the replay, Anthony Smith calls out Rakic, who was the last guy to defeat him, by the way. And it was a very dominant performance. Yeah. I love that. That shows me that Anthony Smith's feeling confident that he's improved. Yep. Rakic then immediately responded on Twitter during the post-fight interview, saying that he was free in December. And then before the interview ends, Smith says, Merry Christmas to me. And it's like we all of a sudden have like a new matchup just like right, right in front of us. It's easy. The match measures can take a week off. <laughs> I've never seen a post-fight interview happen where somebody gets called out, they respond on Twitter, and then they get a response back in person before the interview ends. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, only in the UFC that something like that can happen. Um, I think that's the big question on everybody's mind. Can Anthony Smith climb the, climb the mountain and beat Alexander Rakic? Because I think that's the only thing keeping him from a title shot, um, depending on the result of Glover Teixeira versus Jan you know, uh, That, But that is definitely the big um, – if, if not a title shot, it's going to get him a number one contender spot, I think. Or number oh. one contender shot, I should say. Absolutely. The, you know, the, the, the one thing right now, when we were talking about it last week, if you look at 205 right now, it's very, very open for somebody to make a big jump. And yes, then get exactly. a title shot. You know, Anthony Smith moved up two spots, number four. Rakic is ahead of him, number three. Yeah. So if he beats Alexander Rakic, now he's riding a four-fight win streak. Um, and he just beat Alexander Rakic, who's a top three fighter. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a title shot off of that, you know, mm. especially with the way that this division is looking. Um, yeah. I mean, he'd definitely be behind Yuri, so maybe they would pit those two together. But, man, like. If, if Anthony Smith somehow found a way to get past Alexander Rakic, then the, the world becomes his oyster. He can really do essentially right. what he wants at 205. Right. Um, and I think that the UFC would be willing to give him whatever match he wants next because he kind of did them a favor and took a back step in his last three fights. Yep. You know, that is as much of a favor for the UFC as it is for Anthony Smith. Don't get it twisted. You know, Anthony Smith gets to take a step back in competition to get his groove back at his mojo. But the UFC also gets to promote these younger guys using Anthony Smith's name. Right. right. Um, so it seems like they're going to be willing to make the Rackage fight. Yeah, and I don't want to say that I dislike this matchup for Anthony because he, he just said he feels like he's been disrespected a lot by people in the media and the fighters. But yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, it's, it's, a very tough, was, it's a tough fight. Right. And even though he was great in this fight, I just haven't been able to see anything from Anthony to make me think that he can keep Rakic off of him. And that's not his fault. You know, like he just didn't face somebody who had a really, really good ground game other than Jimmy Crute, but he was on one foot basically because of the drop foot. It was well, okay, so a bit more of an anomaly. We can look at that. I mean, he, he handled Jimmy. I mean, if you want to look at it as Jimmy Crute is an excellent um, 
grappler and someone who can take people down at will. And then, I mean, Anthony Smith game plan for it. I don't know if he necessarily planned to give him drop foot, but I mean, there was some no. game plan to keep him at distance and it ended up working more in his favor, I think, than he could have expected, but it did work in his favor. So it shows, yeah. I think what this, what this fight shows and what the Jimmy Crude fight shows is that um, Anthony Smith can make a game plan to what he wants to do and he can follow through with it um, if he really works his ass off. And if his game plan works out the way he wants it to, he's extremely hard to beat. I think that he's, he's a nightmare for the top five of this division if he's on his best, uh, if he's on his game. Uh, interesting, though, is that his last loss is to Alexander Rakic, and then the loss, his last loss before that is to Glover Teixeira, two guys that are above him right now in the power ranking. So it'd be um, interesting to see if Jan retains the title where Glover Teixeira ends up and um, where Alexander Rakic ends up as well, if for whatever reason that fight isn't made. you know, I mean, that's two of the two monkeys on his back that he definitely wants to get rid of. And I think if he's going to do it, now is the time because he is hot right now. He's on a fucking tear. And uh, he's super confident. I think that was um, that's a that's a big part of this. I think it's his confidence, his mental thing. Uh, it, it's something that doesn't really get talked about enough. I think anymore because it was just such a weird thing that happened. Was that home invasion that happened to him? And I think it actually yeah. really did affect his mentality. And like you know, it's it's different to um, to to fight in a cage, but to actually fight in your own house unexpectedly and like with legitimate dire consequences on the line it's it's something that's going to take a mental toll he could he, i think he was dealing most likely dealing with some ptsd and stuff after that following that whole incident i, I think it, it showed in some of his fights where it's like he seemed a little more sheepish than he usually is and i, I don't know i think it's not I, I don't want to say it's not a valid excuse but i mean it's not nothing either i, I think it definitely had an actual effect on his fights fighting yeah that's a valid point but just going back to the um the Jimmy crew fight. Yeah. I thought it was significant to mention that I wasn't impressed by his grappling in that fight because he got taken down by Jimmy crew twice in the first round. Yeah. And uh, both of those were after he'd already experienced drop foot. So I thought that it was significant that he was able to do that despite being yes. on one good leg. I do agree with so, you. Yeah, go ahead. But go I thought that Anthony could have got surprised by it though. I thought that right. Anthony yeah. looked like he That's wasn't was expecting it. So right. I don't know if it's really fair. That's why I said that fight's kind of an anomaly. I don't really think it's a true, uh, representation of either Jimmy or Anthony's grappling abilities. Yeah. Um, so we've recapped that now. Uh, we'll move on real quick. We have some, because we have a bunch to talk about here. Uh, a lot coming up. A massive, massive card this weekend. Uh, but before we get to that, Brandon Moreno versus Stevenson Figueredo 3 is confirmed for December 11th, UFC 269. There's another three title fight card thus far. Um, do they have any, I don't believe they have any other fights besides the three title fights. Um, of course, Davidson Figueroa's last loss is to Brandon Moreno. He lost his title to him before that. He retained the title versus the same opponent, Brandon Moreno. Two fantastic fights. Um, this third one is super, super exciting. These are, I don't want to say the only guys at lightweight, but these are like the most exciting guys at lightweight. This is the fight you want to make at lightweight until, I mean, lightweight, not lightweight, flyweight, I'm sorry. Um, until Cody Garbrandt decides to go down there. And then, obviously, I think it's going to be one of those two. If Figueredo decides he wants to stick around and fly, right? I know he has a tough time making the lead sometimes. Um, early prediction, I think Figgy pulls it off. What do you think? Ooh, why do you think Figgy does it? I think he's just sound. I think the last fight, he had a tough time making weight for whatever reason. I think that was part of the reason he was so sluggish in there. 
um, why he was taken down so easily and kind of, um, it, it, I, I don't want to say he rolled over and let it happen, but I think that he, I think everyone knew that if Brandon Moreno pulled this off, there was going to be a rubber match. And I think he goes into this super duper prepared. Uh, and I, I just think that once, if he's mentally focused and he's all the way in and he trains hard and he, like similar Anthony Smith, he puts together a game plan, he can follow it. I, I don't think there's anybody that can beat him before. Wow. Yeah. I mean, first that's off, a very early mind. prediction. Very early. It is very early prediction. It's in December. We are currently in exactly. September. But um, a lot of people online were upset about this because Alexander Pantoja was supposed to get the next shot and he beat Marino twice before. So people were looking forward to that matchup. So when this got announced all of a sudden out of the blue, it turns out it was because Alexander Pantoja wouldn't be ready to go for December and Moreno yeah. wanted to be active. Uh, so we can just assume that Pantoja is next in line for the shot, no matter who wins. Um, but man, I don't mind this booking at all. It's a legitimate yeah, trilogy. Very close. They're arguably the two best flyweights in the world. And it's really a toss-up fight. It's really a toss-up fight. And despite the last fight, despite Brandon Moreno's ability to dominate Figueredo to a degree in there, um, I don't think that this one's going to be as one-sided. I think it looks more like the first fight. I think it's much more competitive. And that's because Figueredo has the ability to put the weight issues behind him because this is announced three months out. Um, if you remember the second fight, I don't know. The first fight was um, just a month after both of them had fought previously on a card in December or yeah. in November. Now the second fight happens uh, with a big layoff in the middle for Figgy. It, it kind of affects his weight cut because when he's so active going from um, November to December to back-to-back title defenses, his weight stays down the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now he has his big fight. He gets to celebrate a little bit the diet doesn't stay well. He has a tough weight cut for the, for the rematch. And we saw what happens now. Right. He's got three months to get prepared, get in shape, get on your diet um, and have a plan to make weight. He's done it before. He's obviously had trouble in the past, but he it's possible for him to make the weight healthily. Um, and I think that's what happens this time. And as a result, we get a much closer fight. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. I think it's going to be about as close a fight as a fight can get um i'm just so excited for it i I can't wait to see which one of these guys pulls it off um how both of them look because i think the real question is which one of them is going to face cody garbrandt and who is going to have the title at the time i think that's more than likely what's going to happen uh i i think as far as i know cody's plan is still to go down to light uh flyweight maybe i'm wrong but that's just what i've been reading Um, it gets better john he's going down a flyweight to face kai car of france on this same card well, there you go. So I think we're going to get a good look at all three of those guys, see where they're all at. And then we might just have this rotation of these three guys going at it for a long time. Who knows? I mean, I'm not I complaining about it. it. I said, yeah, it. I'm not complaining about it at all. That's what we end up doing. Um, I, these guys, I hope they fight six times. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. Like, these guys are fucking so exciting and so fun to watch. And, and especially at a division like Flyweight, it's not right. like anyone's getting really screwed up. Like, Pantoja just deserves the next shot, but he's not, like, undeniable, you know? Right, like, right. And right. Askarov is also there, true. He, he's yep. kind of the dark horse of that division. But yeah, definitely. outside of that top five, man, it's, it's, it's not much at Flyweight. Yeah, it's just – yeah, it's just such an exciting, like uh, – it's a, just an exciting fucking – um what's um division there you go jesus christ uh it's, it's just an exciting division it's everyone loves the little guys it's so fun to watch them fight and um 
it's so like uh, it's such a technical division you know what i mean like it's there's a lot of like it's quick twitch it's fucking fast you gotta stay on your toes the entire time Um, nobody at 125 is slow right exactly exactly they're all just insanely fast so um i'm curious though i'm curious because moreno's never defended the lightweight belt before Mm -hmm. uh now he faces figgy for the third time it's the first time he's had to defend the belt does that change his mentality at all does that affect him at all what do you think I don't think so, man. I think that he was, I mean, he went in there the first time. I think because with the first fight was so close, uh, he fought such a good fight. I don't think people expected that good of a fight out of him. Then he yeah. goes into the second fight. He knows he can beat him. He knows it's just a matter of uh, tweaking a couple things. Um, he goes in there. He beats him, uh, becomes the first, is it the first Mexican born champion? Correct. In UFC history, yep. correct? Yeah. Yep. King wasn't uh, Mexican born, but yeah. Yeah, correct. Um, it's it, like he's got that on him. I, I think it's, I think this kid thrives under the pressure. I don't think it's a matter of, is it too much for him? I think the bigger, the better when it comes to Brandon Marino. Um, and the Devinson Figueredo has been there before. So I think he's got that experience. Kind of like, um, if I can compare it to football, like Tom Brady's been to the Super Bowl. I'm sure he still gets jitters, but he's been there so many times that it's like he's ready to go. He knows what it's going to feel like. Um, and then Brandon Moreno reminds me more of like a Patrick Mahomes where it's like this super skilled, he's going to go in there. He's got a great shot no matter who he's facing and he can pull it off most of the time. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I still think Demons and Figueredo is just, it's just the experience. He's been there so much. And I think he's going to kind of go the same route as Brandon Moreno. He's just got to tweak a couple things and he can get the belt back. And I think that's what he's going to end up doing, but I don't think we've seen the last of Brandon Marino as a champion in the flyweight division. Yeah, man. I mean, in he's my around. opinion, he's going to stick around. No, absolutely. He is. He's a complete world talent in his prime right now. But I think the key to this fight will be Marino's discipline on the feet. And what I mean by that is he's very, very good at choosing when to engage when it's safe. He picks his shots very well. He doesn't really go into the fire to land hard shots and take them back. He's very, very smart about when he's uh, willing to take shots. Right. Um, however, Davidson Figueredo is significantly quicker than him, in my opinion. Uh, I think Figgy's a much quicker fighter. Uh, yeah. He beats him to the punch a lot. So because of that, Moreno must, must, must have good timing in order to counter that and mm-hmm. uh, keep Figueredo at bay. But Figgy, in my opinion, has ha- he has got to keep this one standing, 100%. Yeah. Although I know he yeah. has finishes, he does have skills in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I did not like the way he looked on the ground against Moreno no, at exactly. all last fight. I you think know, he, just kinda, of, he just rolled over, it seemed like. Yeah, regardless of weight cut or anything, man, I, I did not like the way that looked. Um, so, in my opinion, he's got to keep this one standing if he wants to win. Yeah. Um, so, we've captured that now. Now we're going to move on. We're going to discuss the massive fight card coming up this weekend. Um, by the as, way, by the way, yeah. did you know that this is International Fight Week? I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I saw a tweet about it today. I was like, it's International Fight Week? Like, I was I was in Vegas in July, and that's usually the weekend that they do it. Yeah. But for some reason, and that was like, it would have been perfect because Vegas was opening up that week. But now it's like, apparently we're doing Fight Week in September for some reason. Huh. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I just know. thought I'd throw I did that not out know there. That. Go ahead. I, I wouldn't have even, yeah, I'm on the same boat. I would have thought it would have been not in September. Yeah, um, well, now you know. Now we know. As we do with every card, I'm going to read through the early prelims all the way to the main card. We have 
Saturday, September 25th, early prelim start at 6 p.m. live from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas on ESPN+. Plus. Your first fight of the night, Jonathan Pierce versus Omar Morales. That is a featherweight fight at welterweight, Matthew Smellsberger versus Martin Sano. Middleweight, Carl Robertson versus Nick Maximov. Lightweight, Euros Medic versus Yalen Turner. And then we have women's flyweight legend. Roxanne Matafari is going to be fighting Tala Santo, Taylor Santos, excuse me. Heavyweight, we have Shamil, oh my God, Abderkamadov, I have no idea, versus Chris Dacus. Lightweight, Dan the Hangman Hooker returns to the octagon to face Nazarat um, Hakprasat. Bantamweight, Marlon Moraes versus Marab Bashawili. Then the main card, of course, women's flyweight, Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. Heavyweight belt between Curtis Blades and Jairzinho Rosenstrike. And the return, six years, a rematch, 17 years in the making at welterweight. Now moved up to middleweight, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Super excited for that one. Women's flyweight, uh, the strap is on the line. Valentina Shevchenko is facing Lauren Murphy. And, of course, your main event of the evening, featherweight title bout, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian T. City Ortega. We've got quite the card ahead of us here, Theo. Um, fuck, where do we start? I guess let's start with the main event. Um, Volkanovski versus Ortega. What do you think about that? Any early, any any uh, any bold predictions, or what, what do you think? My bold prediction is that this is going to be an incredible fight. Um, <laughs> very bold of you. How bold? Very, very bold of me. Very bold. Uh, it's going to be fan. It's going to be fascinating on the feet. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, expecting ex- extremely high volume fight. Both these guys, they've got good gas tanks. They've got the volume uh, in their repertoire to use that. Uh, the time off for Ortega, I think helped him more than anything. It helped him refocus and recover mm. because in his last fight against the Korean zombie, I mean, his stand up improved yeah, significantly. That was a statement win. Um, what I think plays well in the Volks game is that he's an extremely strong guy though. Yeah. And what I think, what I think it's very similar to the Figueredo uh, Moreno matchup we were just talking about, where I yep. feel like Volk wants no part of Brian on the ground. I feel uh, like I don't think anybody wants a part of Brian Ortega on the ground. Right. Right. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. But Brian Ortega's submission game is dangerous for a guy like Volkanovsky to get in there yeah. with. So yeah. I, I, I would highly uh i would i would say that he's definitely going to keep it standing yeah but, i think if he, yeah <laughs> but what volk is especially good at is stopping an opponent's forward progress with his pressure and what i mean by that is he throws a lot of feints a lot of uh, low kicks and the footwork of volkanovsky usually interrupts his opponent's patterns therefore preventing them from engaging uh you know it's hard to explain but there's always something you can see in somebody in their footwork when they when they reset their feet or they they move their feet to a certain way before they throw a punch. It's like a fighter. Sometimes they have a tell where they have to make a little mental adjustment before yep. they can throw a shot. Like sometimes they have to set their feet right before right, they, do right, it. they right. have to change that's levels a little bit. Kind of how we Volkanovsky, saw. Uh, that's how we saw Rose knock out. Right. Exactly. Same thing. Volkanovsky is a mastermind of studying his opponents and finding what their tendencies are, finding mm. their reads. So I'm fairly confident. This is part of his game plan to slow down Ortega. Um, if he wants to win this fight, he's going to have to slow down Ortega on the feet. I think Ortega is going to come up flying with lots of volume, um, but, or- but Volkanovski going to have to slow him down with his footwork, his feints, and his low kicks. And it's actually the same game plan that he used uh, when he won both of the Max Holloway fights. He slowed him down. He didn't let Max get into his game, and we saw what happened. So I'm very excited to see how this matchup plays out. What about you, John? 
I'm super excited to see how it plays out as well. I mean, there's so many different ways that this could go. Um, you want to see, I, I think I give Alexander Volkanovsky the slight edge on the feet, but obviously Brian Ortega is just a monster on the ground, an absolute nightmare for anybody who goes down there with him. Um, I, I, I think we've seen that. Well, we, okay. So we know that Brian Ortega is not the caliber boxer that Max Holloway is, but Max Holloway showed that like Ortega's got some flaws for sure. He's got some holes in this game. Um, there's, ways you can beat him there's ways that he can beat you but i agree with what you said about him putting pressure on uh, i think he's very good at it he loves to put the pressure on right away control the octagon um kind of throw you off your game don't let you go through your your reads and go to your game plan and i think he wants to interrupt all of that as fast as he can um also i'm not a hundred percent sure about this i think i heard or i read about this earlier i think Volkanovski is going for like his 20th straight win or something insane, or like something crazy. He's on some wild streak right now. Maybe not 20 straight. I know we have like the recent pulled up right here. He's on at least eight or nine right here, just in a row. Um, so like this guy doesn't know, he doesn't know much about losing. I can't remember the exact number of the streak, but uh Brian Ortega too looked I'm like that was shocking what happened in the chance on Jung fight. The way he looked on the feet was nothing I expected. I didn't think he would even stay up on the feet that long. I think he was going to take him down immediately and just try to end the fight via submission somehow, but he doesn't. Uh, also, Ortega only handed one loss by Max Holloway. Obviously, that's a brutal fight. Uh, Max had a bunch of striking records in that fight as well as he did against Calvin Cater. It looked just when you thought he couldn't get it couldn't get better than the Ortega display. He does it versus Cater, so that's just Max Holloway. Um, by the I, way, John, Alex yeah. Volkanovsky is riding a 19-fight win streak that includes a perfect 9-0 record in the UFC. So this weekend, he'll go for his 20th straight win 20th and straight his win. 10th straight UFC win. Yeah, that's fucking insane. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't realize he had that long of a streak, honestly. I feel like yeah, I, who's the, I want to know the guy that beat him, dude. Who the fuck is that? It's the one I'm goddamn sorry. guy. Um, but, I mean, we've seen Ortega with the likes of Cub Swanson. We've seen him with Clay Guida. Um, Tiago Tavares, Frankie Edgar, Chansung Jung. I mean, this guy has been around the block a thousand times. He's beat the best of the best. So I, I really don't know which way this is going to go. You want to put a gun to my head and tell me I have to make a pick? I'm going to say Volkanovski by TKO. Whoa, by TKO? By TKO. Damn, Brian Ortega never been finished, especially in the Max Holloway fight where anyone could have been finished. So I guess technically he was finished between rounds. He couldn't come out, right. but damn, that's a – that is a bold prediction. That was much more bold, bold than prediction. mine, honestly. Um, <laughs> what was yours? That this will be a good fight? Is that the bold prediction? It, I said it was going to be a very exciting fight. That's my bold <laughs> prediction. Hold me to it. Hold me yeah. to it. Call me crazy. But... Call me crazy. But you want to call me crazy? You want to hear my bold prediction for the co-main event? Okay. This is bold. Oh, God. Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. Don't say it. Shevchenko is a dominant win. I can't do it. Okay. I can't do it. I couldn't do it. She just, to be honest, man, it, she's just better than Lauren Murphy everywhere. You know, yeah, it's, I, yeah. it's, it's this, this, this is the same conversation we have every single time. Valentina Shevchenko fights. And I feel bad because I don't want to, you know, not give Lauren Murphy her due because I do think she's really well-rounded yeah. and she's proven herself against uh, the rest of that division at the top. But Valentina, she's just on another level. She's just, in her right. prime right now. I know you, um, you look. You look at these girls and you're like, they have to lose at some point, and they just don't. Like her and Nunez just don't. I'm like, it's something's it, got to give, and nothing it, gives. It never gives. That, yeah, everyone loses if they keep fighting. You know, I will I, say eventually. For, yeah, but like, if, good lord, how long? 
if you want to have a bold prediction, I don't know what the value on this is, but I'm going to say that Valentina Shevchenko does not finish Juan Murphy. Really? Yeah. I think Juan Murphy is like underrated, super tough. I think her, mm. her ground game, uh, her submission defense is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Although I, it's, it, I guess Shevchenko, I don't know how much that'll really matter. I don't think she's getting knocked out for sure. She could get submitted, but my bull prediction, Laura Murphy does not get finished in this fight. She does her camp, her gym proud. Um, yeah. What do you think? I, yeah, man. I, it's just, it's, you can't bet against um, Valentina Shevchenko. It's like, it would be hard to take you seriously if you said you were choosing against Valentina Shevchenko. No, like, you mean, can't just, you can't say it. There's obviously this, I guess there's ways she can lose, but like, the only, who's, She's lost three fights and two were to Amanda Nunez. I don't know who the other one was, but like, it's like, if you're not the best women's fighter of all time, then like, what is exactly the plan? I I, I don't know. I feel bad because I don't, I'm also not going to sit here and act like I know a ton about Lauren Murphy. I really don't. But like, it's like with these fights with Shevchenko and Nunez, you don't even need to really go look into it. You're like, it's just, yeah, it's going to happen. She's going to win. And then that's the end of it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really, I, I mean, yeah. I know that Shevchenko's going to win, but I, I wish I could say more about Lauren Murphy. I just, I just don't have anything, fortunately. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, <laughs> you know, Valentina's just, at this point, she's just in her prime right now. She's hitting yeah. all cylinders. And exactly. Out of everything, she's running out of competition. So what's next for her? Here's a sleeper. Now, this is, this is bold. Cynthia Ooh. Calvillo versus yeah. Jessica Andrade. That's also confirmed for UFC 266. Um, that is going to play as a nice little number one contender bout so long as Cynthia Calvillo uh, overcomes Jessica Andrade. Right. However, Andrade is a nightmare of a matchup for uh, Cynthia. I-, I think this is yeah. a very, very tough matchup for her. However, if she wins, she would uh, remain as the only fresh matchup for Valentina inside the top five. Um, mm. So if she wins, there's an opportunity for uh, a new competitor here. I think she's really tough, just like Juan Murphy. Uh, but even if I'm being honest, I don't really give her much of a chance against Shevchenko anyways. But at least she's somebody new. I mean, like, that's, that's where we're at this point. We're just looking for somebody new at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point they're just going to have to stick her in, like, men's flyweight or something. I, I really don't know, like, with the – Do you think we see an, inter- an intergender fight? <laughs> I not in the UFC, no. I, I don't think no. so. I can't imagine no, I anywhere think... would sanction that in the United States. Yeah. How how many months until Triller says that I'm in right. is fighting Cejudo? Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking until whenever whenever what's his name reups. That's that's when. Okay. Who runs that shit? What's his name? I can't think of his fucking name. Oscar Ooh. De La Hoya. Is that a Oh Triller? yeah. Well, yeah. he, he's fighting again, too. I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to talk care. about it. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do want to talk about, though. The fucking third fight on this card. Oh, boy. 17 the people's years main event. Making. The people's main event. A rematch 17 years in the making. Six years since we've seen Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Now at middleweight, 185 pounds. Very interesting. Um, Where do we begin with this fucking fight, dude? I know where we begin. Where do we begin? Do you know how many months it has been since the first Lawler Diaz fight? I do, and I gotta think of like I, I uh, two hundred and nine. That is correct. It's two oh nine. What yeah, a coincidence! Yeah. Oh, yeah so basically, 
it's a good thing that we had busy schedules yesterday because now we can talk about how Diaz wants to move the fight to 185, basically at the last minute. It is Wednesday, 6.20 right now, p.m. Eastern time. Yep. Uh, right before we started recording the podcast, we found out it became official that Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler will be at 185. Um, the things that were holding it up were Robbie Lawler said, I'm game to fight. I'm always ready to fight. The UFC knows that. But we got to make this right if you want me to switch to 185 at the last second. Yeah. Which basically, in more words, means pay me more if you want yeah. me to fight at 185 yeah. last second, you psychos. But <laughs> yeah, uh, when when Daniel was asked about it, he chucked it up to just being typical DS behavior. Um, you know, it, it could tell us a lot of things. We were talking about before. There's just a lot of speculation. It's like, you know, some people think that he can't make the weight, and that's why he want to change the last minute. You know, he could have had a problem uh, with his with his health where he can't cut any more weight. You know, it could be any number of things. Um, but I think that it's important to note that Nick has only fought at 185 one time. However, Robbie has fought at 185 18 times and is a former world champion at 185 outside the UFC. Uh, the name of the promotion is escaping me right now. But um, I, also, yeah. I also wanted to clear up that um, there were rumors that Nick was KO'd in sparring. Um, his coach, Caesar Gracie took to Twitter to, you know, get rid of that rumor really quick. He said, quote, at Nick Diaz 209 was not injured and never KO'd in sparring. Hashtag wolf tickets. John, wolf we, tickets. Haven't even, we haven't even made it to Thursday yet. This is already an incredible Nick Diaz fight week. He's only been in one embedded so far. What are your thoughts? Um, just to clarify too, he, um, Robbie Lara is a former elite XC middleweight champion. Yeah, that's what it was. The LEXC, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, well, I didn't hear anything about the whole getting knocked out and sparring. I, I've never heard anything about that, but, uh, I, I can't imagine the Diaz's ear. They, they strike me as like a team that wouldn't spar super hard ever. Like, oh, it's just the opposite. You, <laughs> it's think, just so? the opposite. you think they just beat the <laughs> shit out of each other? It is. It is. Uh, Chill Sun talked about it because he used to spar with them too. They, really? they go Even in hard. their old age, I, I wonder if they'd still do that. Like, I if they kind of chilled uh, out. The, the chill story was from, like, the middle of the 2010s, so, I right. mean, maybe. They yeah, might I don't know. Them. That's bizarre to me. I feel like maybe, well, that's maybe, maybe that's why they have such good chins. Um, this is a very interesting fight, not just on paper and not just because of the spectacle of it, but the actual stylistic matchup is super interesting because you have Robbie Lawler, who is a brawler, um, and then you have Nick Diaz, who is more of a slip-and-rip technical um kind of all-around balanced fighter. Uh, the first fight that they had, I mean, how crazy. I mean, Nick Diaz was 20 years old in that fight. Robbie Lawler was 22. Yeah, he was. He was it's, 20. Just, it's a couple of kids fighting on national television. It's fucking insane. Um, obviously, if you don't know, Nick Diaz lands that stiff right jab and just puts Robbie flat on his face. Uh, kind of surprised. I'm trying to – I don't remember Robbie Lawler losing very often to uh, – to punches. I, I think maybe Tyron Woodley comes to mind. Um, yeah. Like, I, I mean, a guy who's super hard to finish in Nick Diaz, just about as tough as they come, just like his brother Nate, you know? So I, I think if Nick, it depends what Nick wants to do. Does he want to stick around here? Does he want to compete? Does he want to compete at 185, which is super um, exciting if that's what he wants to do i would fucking love him to sit in that 185 division and just start mixing shit up um again then we're going to see how robbie lawler looks too we haven't seen robbie lawler since 
what almost two years now um or maybe and i shouldn't say almost two years maybe it was like last no he, he august. fought in august of 2020 yeah so it, it, it's been a lot of time since we saw robbie lawler he hasn't looked good in his last couple fights on a four fight losing streak right now is this the last hurrah for him uh is he looking to revive his career is he going to stay at 185 is he going to go down to 170 um we don't know. I don't know the answers to any of that right now. The same thing goes for Nick Diaz. Is he here to stay? Is this just a big paycheck for him? Does he want to compete at 185? Does he want to compete at 170? What does he want to do? Um, how exciting would it be, though? Nick Diaz versus Israel Adesanya. Don't I mean, that's, stop. that's a rematch of him versus Anderson Silva, dude. Obviously, way out of his prime. Way out of his prime. But, like, you tell me you're not watching that, like, that moves the fucking needle, dude. That's an exciting. I'm not fight. saying it doesn't. I'm That's not an exciting that... fight, dude. I, I just because, uh, no. I mean, as I, I know, Nate's been finished once. I can't think has Nate, Nate Nick ever been finished with punches, but never cleanly knocked out. Right. So I mean, same thing as Nate. Right. Like, I don't know. They both got chins on them. I, I. It's just like let's just see if you can outweigh him. You know, Kelvin Gaffney <laughs> style. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it goes as well as you think it does. Honestly, I know I don't, I'm I not saying it, it would go well. It would just be like holy shit. I mean, he's, if oh he's gonna God. stay at 185, what the fuck? Who else is gonna fucking do it? Because I mean, they have 185 isn't bad right now, but it's not exactly stacked either. It's, not a bunch of guys that move that needle like Nick Diaz. No one's gonna move the needle like Nick Diaz. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this top ten right now, and it's they're good fighters, but it's like. It, we've seen it all already. It's the, if there's a division that could use a fresh face, it's 185. And I'm not saying he could even compete. Maybe he'll look. Who fucking knows? Maybe he goes out there on Saturday, and looks terrible, and he gets destroyed. And it's like, ah, oh, whatever. It was what it is. But I mean, for all we know, he goes out there. I, personally, what I think is going to happen, I'll give you another fucking bull prediction. How about this? Three for you. I think Nick Go Diaz goes in there, and I think he submits Robbie Lawler. Whoa! Oh my God! Could you imagine? People will lose their minds. I think it's a lot. It takes him. I I don't know if he takes him down, but I think he. I don't think Robbie Lawler wants anything to do with Nick Diaz in the ground. It's true. So they're so underrated. The Diaz brothers on the ground. They're they're so phenomenal down there. Absolutely, and we've seen. um, You know, have your opinions about it either way. But the Ben Askren loss that Robbie Lawler had, he was submitted by a bulldog choke. He didn't look like he was very good at defending that. You know, even though he may or may not have been out, that's here nor there. Um, there's a lot of questions around this fight, John. There's a ton. We've thrown them out over the past five minutes. We come up with them on the spot. There's just yep. so much to talk about with this fight. So let's just look straight at the facts. Yeah. Nick Diaz has not fought since 2015. Correct. Uh, that was, if you remember, Craig, that's the infamous no contest to Anderson Silva. Yep. Yep. Um, I could not operate a motor vehicle in 2015. <laughs> um so I, the world has changed quite a bit. Um, right. And he also has not won since he beat BJ Penn in 2013. Um, in 2013, I, I looked it up. It was 2013. It's on the sheet. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a big deal. Oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. Wait. Oh, oh my God. No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're a fucking wise ass over here. I'm looking right at the numbers. You're telling me I'm wrong. How dare you? Correction. BJ Penn lost to Nick Diaz on October 29th of 2011. <laughs> Nick, Nick Diaz's last welterweight fight was in okay. 2013. There we go. Um, yeah. Did they fight BJ Penn at welterweight too? 
He fought BJ Penn at welterweight. No he way. fought George St. Pierre at welterweight as well. Oh, okay, okay. And that, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yep, okay, yep. <laughs> now that we know what the numbers are, um, <laughs> we got to also acknowledge that Robbie has um, never been the same since he fought Rory and went through that war and, and he got right. finished by Tyron. Now he's on a four fight skid. Um, you know, it, it does not look like Robbie Lawless in the best uh, point of his career right now. No. Um, you know, other than the jujitsu factor, which I think that we've been seeing a trend in MMA is becoming a little bit less and less relevant. People are just yeah. jujitsu specialists that yeah. they can't really impose their will as well. Right. Um, other than the jujitsu factor, there's quite literally no reason to favor Nick Diaz in this fight at all. And there's really? just, there's just, if you look at it by what you know, you, there's just too many unknowns for Nick Diaz. We can't even use this most recent fight for research because it was in 2015. And right. if you think about, think about how much different the game has changed in the past three years, John. Think about how much yeah. UFC no, MMA has changed in general. Now, try coming back to the sport six years later when you already kind of were at the like back nine of your career to begin with when you left in the first place. It's just, I, I, can't, I can't really like take Nick Diaz in this fight. I can't. I really, I'm trying so hard to find like <laughs> something for me to be like Nick Diaz is going to get out of the win, but I can't, I can't, I can't convince myself. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I but, just think, uh, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go right ahead. I really, have I, I just think, um, I don't know. I think Robbie's looks insanely sloppy. And I think I agree with what you said that he hasn't been the same since that war with Rory McDonald. I think he's digressing. Also, you got to remember that Nick Diaz hasn't been sitting on his couch for nine years or six years, whatever it is. He's been training. Yeah. He's been the club. He's, yeah. He's been, I mean, he's been doing his thing, but he's also been training. I mean, they're in phenomenal shape, both the Diaz brothers, triathletes, and it, it, I could go on. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like, – like I said, it's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction. But I think if he finishes this fight and gets a finish, I think it's going to be by submission. Is, yeah, uh, that's true. If, if he's going to get a finish, it's by submission. Yeah. It, it's. I think the biggest question is what is his chin going to look like? Because Robbie Law <laughs> can still hit like a fucking truck. Everybody knows that. He can knock out any guy if he gets him flush with that right hand. It's That's not a question. Uh, right. It's well, just if you're if you're looking for is, a positive for that, yeah. um, it's it's important to note that um, even through the, the the last few fights of his career, Nick didn't really take a lot of damage, honestly, um, right. except for maybe that that Carlos Condit fight. Uh, but yeah, or excuse me, the BJ Penn fight. Sorry. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's just I I want to see. I, I'm more curious, honestly, not even about this fight. I'm curious what his plan is following this fight, like. Is he going to stick around, or is this just a paycheck and fucking see you later? I don't, I don't know. I think if he beats Robbie Lawler, he cuts a promo on the mic and calls out Masvidal, and we have a, a BMF fight again. But oh, honestly, I, I, a lot of people don't like this. They, they, they hate the BMF title thing. They, they hate all the antics go with that. I love it. I yeah, love it. And especially like, if it's because Nick Diaz is coming back for a second run, he's going to get the BMF belt to avenge his brother. Come on. <laughs> that's awesome. not exciting. That's a sell. It'd be um, fucking fantastic. You know, and speaking of that, you know, I feel like it gets swept under the rug a lot that, like, part of why Nick and Nate are in this um, is for each other. You know, like, Nick got into right. it first. Um, you Nick know, Diaz they're, they're, army, motherfucker. The Nick Diaz army. Um, when I think about the Diaz brothers, like, whenever they're getting ready to fight, um, an old quote from Nick pops up in my head. You know, he was just suspended for five years from marijuana. And he was being extremely vulnerable in an interview with MMAfighting.com. Um, and he started talking about Nate's upcoming fight against Michael Johnson. And he said, 
quote, but in the end, I'm just upset. I can't be there for my brother right now since he's going to be fighting soon. It's my bad. He even got into the sport and he gets his face kicked in and they don't even pay him. I got us into this. And if I don't make any money, I don't have any way to get us out End quote. And you know, you know what, man, like say what you want about uh, the antics, the whole being difficult to deal with on fight week, anything that comes with the DS brothers. One thing that you can't say is that they definitely have their priorities checked. You know, like yeah, they, no, they're, they're very smart. They're very loyal guys. They're also really smart guys. So very smart excited guys. to see what uh, the king of 209 does in his return. I want to see them lean into the DS, like be the DS brothers. I, can, I, I, mean, I know, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to do it this time. That's I, no, what I but I'm interesting. Not, not even with the fighting. I'm saying like they could make money just off being the Diaz brothers. Like you know, especially you know where the they're going to make age. money, man. Yeah. Oh, what's that? So, so Nate Diaz has one fight left on his deal. Right. I don't. I do not know how many fights Nick signed. I don't know if he had to resign. I don't know if it's his old contract from back in the day. But, oh my god, imagine if it's this whole country. But listen, he's gonna get thirty thousand dollars to fight. No, no. Oh, Nick was getting paid a lot towards the end. So I, I don't think he's getting stiffed at all, even if it is his old contract. Right. But obviously there's ways to renegotiate and stuff. But assuming that Nick Diaz does not have a contractual obligation to the UFC after this fight, and Nate Diaz won't either soon enough if he gets uh this fight with Vicente Luque done, um please tell me that you would not buy a card featuring Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz facing off against the Paul brothers. Oh yeah, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, come on. Tell that me would sell like crazy. The These guys can sell like crazy. That's the thing. Like they should be doing commercials. They should be doing crazy. Like I know it's not their style, but like they could make money off doing shit like that. Like, but I think part, that's part of their charm is they're so like, they're so anti-establishment. They don't want to talk to right. anybody at all. Right. You know, people, they're like just leave me alone people love that because they can see that that's how they really feel it's how it's they're real and that's why people love the ds brothers you know yeah uh, it's think, like yeah, you know the quote that right. i said like people just love them because that's who they are right yeah you're right they are brutally honest and brutally themselves and i wouldn't have it any other way yeah yeah it's true it's it is part of their like mystique is like being like we don't get fucked like yeah you guys have to do this they're like no we don't <laughs> yeah no oh we're finding <laughs> nope we're finding right. 185 just because i want to Right. Like, <laughs> this is I said so, and you're gonna. Yeah, I, I forgot that part about Nick Diaz fight week where we for, we uh, don't know if the fight's ever gonna happen until it actually does. I missed that a little bit, so I'm glad we get a little bit of that. Yeah, um, scrolling down here, we get some questions real quick to wrap up the episode. Um, does Giga Jagatsi beat Max Holloway if they do fight? Um, Giga's been talking quite a bit of shit to Max Holloway. Apparently, he wants him next. Uh, I don't like his odds in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I mean, listen, I respect the the, the brash and boldness of it, but uh, I think you got to be careful what you wish for. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't listen, like a Wolverine's odds against Max Holloway right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a really big step up to go from this version of Edson Barboza to Max Holloway, who might be in his prime right now. Right. Um, so, UFC, baby. Yeah. So, does Giga beat Max if they fight? That's the question. Yes. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it would no. be pretty sound for Max Holloway, unfortunately, for Giga. Um, it would, I, I mean, but it would sell. It would definitely be. be a, good, I like, I like his be style fight, to be Max. Is. I like his style to be Max. I just don't think yeah. that he has the ability to carry it out. Yeah, I don't think so either. And then we have, can 
Anthony Smith beat Alexander Rakic. We kind of talked about that already. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if anyone's going to do it, right. Like if he, if there is an Anthony Smith, that's going to do it. It's the version that he's at right now. Uh, he's on a fucking tear. I think maybe he just tries some momentum out and then he can pull it off if he fights his best fight. Um, yeah, I, I think he has a, definitely has a better shot than he did before. Yeah, he, he definitely does. It really all comes down to that wrestling. Cause that was the big uh, problem in the first fight. Right. You know, Rakic kind of, got Anthony down and held him there for the whole fight. You know, a lot of people weren't really excited about that. They didn't really love that he performed like that, but you know, it, it's, it's MMA. You know, if, if you can't stop the takedown, you can't get someone off of you. It's, you know, that's just part of the game. But yeah. the question is, is has Smith done enough in the past few months to overcome that and fix that hole in his game? I don't know. Cause we haven't seen that um, implemented in the UFC in his, in his actual sanctioned fights. Right. You know, maybe if you're training with him in the gym, then you can let me know if he's um, improved his <laughs> wrestling. But uh, until until we see some substantial evidence, I, I can't pick him in that fight, unfortunately. And I really want to because Anthony's a great guy, but I, I can't favor him against Rackets right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's all we got right now. Um, do we want to tell him who we got coming on next week? Or do we save it? I, think, I don't know. I don't even know if they believe it if we did tell him. So you may as well tell him anyways then, John. Well, all right. Um, next week, we have a special guest coming on, and it is John Anik, play-by-play <laughs> UFC commentator. John Anik will be on the podcast. I I believe it as little as you guys do. It's unbelievable. I tweeted at him. He DM'd me almost immediately and was like, I'd love to come on. So we've been talking to him throughout the week. We planned something. Uh, I'm literally calling out of work to do it, so <laughs> I'm fucking super excited. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so John Anik will be on the podcast next week. Uh, that'll be super exciting. He'll have a total recap with us for UFC 266. Obviously, he will be there. Uh, a little disappointed, though, because I'm not going to be able to get a new updated Nick Diaz train by day, Joe Rogan by night. Joe Rogan won't be on the call, unfortunately. So that kind of sure. sucks. But, but, you know, John Anik has a great relationship with the Diaz brothers, so maybe we get something else, you know. That's true. Maybe and maybe, little... hopefully, when Anik comes on, he can let you know how to pronounce like all these guys' yeah. names because you, yep. you read off the list and I hear you struggling and I wanna I wanna help you out, but I feel like I can't at that I, point yeah. they're already in too deep. So we'll I have definitely him on. I do my best and it's just he'll coach you through it. We'll be <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So um by the way, oh that Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler will also be a five round fight, five minutes, five minute, five rounds. Um I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but kind of like the Diaz Brothers special. The Diaz Brothers special. Um so that is it. We will talk to you next week to recap UFC 266 live from T-Mobile Arena pay-per-view uh, starting at 10 with the main card early prelim start at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Everything else also on ESPN Plus, including the regular preliminary card. Uh, do you want to plug your stuff real quick? Yeah, just shout out to Severe MMA. Uh, you check out the Severe MMA website, severemma.com. We got articles covering all sorts of things, including UFC 266. Um, we got stuff on our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the Severe MMA Podcast. If you're a fan of In the Clinch, you can listen to Severe MMA Podcast on every single platform that podcasts are available. Sweet. So we will talk to you guys next week to recap UFC 266 with UFC play-by-play commentator John Anik. Uh, that is Peace. it for me. Peace.